Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, I'm Gemma and welcome to Good Influence. This is the podcast where each week you and I meet a guest who will help us pay attention to something we should know about as well as answer some of your questions. This week we're talking about body acceptance and censorship, the plus size modelling industry, the co-opting of body positivity and being thrust into the role of activist. So joining me this week is Naomi Nicholas-Williams. Naomi is a plus size model who has worked with brands including Adidas, Boots and Dove. She's also an activist and describes herself as an advocate for mental health, body love and acceptance. In 2020, she made headlines after semi-nude portraits of her were repeatedly removed from Instagram, sparking a campaign in the hashtag I want to see Naomi, eventually leading to a change in Instagram's policy. so I can actually see your face. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah at, least pretend, at least pretend we're in the same room having a conversation. At least, yeah. So I'd love to start by sort of just asking you about your career so far. Like how long have you been modelling? How did you get into it? Yeah, sure. So I've been modelling for about four years now. I was going to say three, but we're in 2021, so that would make it four. Um, I literally started when I entered a competition for quite a big brand and um, it was full of like uh, plus size women. And I got down to the final 30 and I was like, wow, I've got down to like 30 women and there's something here. But I still didn't see um, many like uh, fat black women like myself. And I Mm -hmm. thought, you know what, there should be more space for women that look like me. Um, and just plus size women in general. So I literally started my portfolio, I started networking. Um, I contacted photographers. I was relentless with applying to agencies. Um, I got a lot of no's, (laughs) Um, a lot of no's. So I was doing it by myself until I joined an agency um, the year before last. Um, Mm -hmm. And then it kind of took off from there. I joined the agency and I started getting jobs. Um, I left that one and I started with my two current agencies. They are the best uh, and they look after me really well. And then it's just been thing after thing. It kind of all kind of happened. I kind of fell into it um, more the activism than the modeling because mm-hmm. modeling, I'm a photographer first. Um, that's what I studied at uni. That's my first love. So it's weird that I'm like in front of the camera now um, as opposed to behind it. Mm. So yeah, it kind of all kind of came together like a puzzle that I didn't really want to play, but here we are. Yeah, so it's funny how things happen, isn't it? It's good to hear, you know, how you even got into modelling in the first place, because I know it's such a competitive industry. And I know, like, you know, there's, there's seem to be like, different ways that people get into it. But I think by like, starting out with the competition, I feel like it's one of those things where like, if you see stuff advertised, you're like, okay, yeah, but like, who does that actually work for? But that's so cool that that's how you started out. Yeah, it was, it was kind of, um, now I think about it, it's wild that competition is what is based and the industry is surrounded by people are trying to obviously one up each other and beat out the competition. But I think it's very different when it comes to plus size modeling. I've said this, everyone's a bit nicer. 
I, I feel anyway, obviously I'm not a straight model, so I wouldn't be able to tell, but I have mm. models that straight models that are friends and they've told me, you know, some horror stories, but I thought it was more of a community in the plus size uh, modeling. Yeah. community. That's really nice. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I just felt like, because we've, we've all, well, I do actually, I felt like we've all been like, had people talk about our bodies or, you know, people make comments and because you can all understand each other um, and see things from each other's point of view there's no like sarky comments or like you know underlying like um fat phobia or anything it's quite transparent mm. so yeah I think it's just more like a community that is really nice yeah what have been some kind of highlights for you career-wise so far like what what's your favorite kind of modeling to do now that you've like been in it for a little while do you know what's funny I don't have a favorite I just like doing things people say I can't do okay so what's a favorite that I've done I model for Lululemon and they're a yoga company that primarily um caters for clothing for women who are between a size what eight and 14 Mm -hmm. and I was their first plus size model because they've extended their size to a size 22 and they chose me to model for them that's so Um, cool and that was big because I've been told like, <laughs> no, you can't do that because you're a fat black woman. I was like, well, yes, I can. I'm healthy. You can't tell me anything different. Yeah. I'm going to do it. And the fact that I was chosen, and that's a lie. Also, Cult Beauty, they made me their Christmas cover girl. Um, that was huge because, you know, I've never seen a face like mine when I was growing up um, on any, like, cover of anything. So for me to Oh, just... yeah, I, I actually got your face through the post. I ordered <laughs> a Christmas <laughs> present and yeah, and it came through the post and had your face on it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have her on the podcast soon. <laughs> See, that's cool. That's it's what really I like. Cool. Yeah, that kind of um, gave me an immense sense of pride just because now women and ch- children or girls growing up will see someone who looks like them and think, you know what, I can do that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So talking about kind of falling into activism through you know (laughs) situation (laughs) yeah can I ask you about that campaign that we're talking about so kind of from the beginning how did this all start your activist life now oh activist life that's such a scary thing to hear um yeah so from the beginning um last year July um on the 30th I remember it oh um I did a shoot with um, Alex Cameron I think you know Alex quite well I don't do you? yeah yeah lovely lovely love, woman I love her yeah so we did a um confident shoot um I wouldn't call it a confident shoot because I'm always confident in myself but we just wanted to you know produce some great imagery um we took some I think very tastefully artistic nude images and we were like so excited she sent me one on the way home I posted it that evening and literally within two minutes of it being up it disappeared from my feed. I didn't get a um, a guideline note. I said, what is going on? Then Alex messaged me and was like, Nai, did has your picture come down? I said, yeah. And she said, mine has too. So Alex said, absolutely not, not having this. And she said, okay, I'm going to message Gina Martin. And I didn't know Gina prior to Alex telling me who Gina was. I don't know, clearly I've been living under a rock. Um, I'm not <laughs> an activist, as you can tell. I didn't know who Gina was. So she enlisted the help of Gina and Gina started um, a hashtag and she was like furious. She's like, nope, it's not happening. So she was like, let's start a hashtag. I want to see Naomi. So let's get the picture back up. Let's all post it at the same time with the hashtag. I want to see Naomi, um, see how many will stay up, how many will come down. And it literally snowballed from there. I don't even remember how it got as big as it did, but I think it was because of the amount of people that had posted it and under the hashtag it was like a thousand plus people that had reposted the image which was really nice of everyone um and this was everybody it wasn't just like plus as women it was people from all communities and which was really lovely 
um, and then the Guardian got in touch and they said that they wanted to um, write a piece on it and I was going to be in page three. And I got the Guardian piece was the one that really snowballed it into what it was and had different, mm. you know, publications coming up and asking um, to write about it. And then we thought, you know what, this isn't acceptable. So why don't we try and see if we can get a policy change? Gina said, why don't we try and see if, you know, we can get your picture back up and just find out why this keeps happening. Mm-hmm. After the image came down, uh, Gina had a contact at um, Facebook slash Instagram and I had a Zoom with the two of them um, and they tried to like explain like a bit about the technology behind Instagram and how that, how it works. And after that, I didn't feel satisfied with it. So that was then when we started um, penning an open letter and we got some really big names to sign it. Um, and that got the attention of Adam Mossery. And um, we then had a Zoom call with him and some of his team. Um, that was quite daunting for me. Um, <laughs> never spoken to a CEO or anyone who's that big on a, on a platform who runs it. And he kind yeah, of- so- Adam Mosser is the CEO of Instagram, isn't he? Sorry, just for the benefit of anyone. Yeah, of sorry, anyone I listening. Yes. Yeah. No, 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 that's all, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's the CEO. So we had a Zoom call with him. He apologised for it coming down because he said that it was wrong and it wasn't meant to happen. And obviously, I wanted to know why. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, he explained the technical side of it and how, you know, the, the uh, reviews team couldn't tell the difference between someone holding their boob and, like, cupping their boob um, or someone grabbing it. And I was like, okay, well... I understand that, but the problem is that this is only happening to women who look like me because mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of, you know, slim white women, um, women who are in a smaller body or people who are in smaller bodies who have much more provocative um, images up that stay up, you know, and what's that? There's a bias underneath. There's obviously a racial undertone here or there's something going on. Um, obviously, it was addressed, not that per se, but that was, a um, you know, an acknowledgement that there's an issue there. So... Um, they proceeded and they said that they were going to change the policy on how boob uh, covering and holding is um, changed. Obviously, it's very like technical and a lot of people had questions as to why it was so specific. But mm. because there's so many little like niggles with technology and like algorithms that they couldn't change like a whole, it's coding, isn't it? It's a whole different world. Yeah. So they could only be very specific with what they could change. And I'm happy for the change, of course. But obviously that's one change. There's so many different things like there's hate speech that's allowed to stay up on, you know, on the platform. There's things that people mm-hmm. have, there's awful things on there and they're allowed to stay up. And when someone reports an image of someone's body that they deem as, you know, unfit or they don't like the look of, that comes down straight away. So there's got to be a discussion about that. But I'm happy with, you know, what we've managed to do. That's really good. How did you find the press coverage generally of it? Like, I imagine when something blows up like that and suddenly it's like everybody wants an interview. How was that? They're like, can I speak to you? Can I talk to you? I was like, <laughs> my anxiety was actually through the roof. Oh my God, I was just I like, lie down. <laughs> I, like, I was like, to my therapist, I was like, I've done this and I've done that. And she was just like, okay, breathe, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> but um, I had to literally take a minute because it was very, very, very full on. Um, and then obviously... Alex and Gina as well and it was full on for them too and Mm. it was just full on for all of us oh yeah it was a lot (laughs) yeah I guess you were kind of just thrown into it really weren't you yeah but we all leaned on each other which is really nice so that is really nice I mean I knew Gina and Alex before this and then Mm. obviously you like from the campaign and I just feel like the three of you together were like oh 
an absolute Powerpuff Girls Charlie's Angels like, yes. dream team of getting stuff that done. That is the vibe. Yeah, that's 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 the dream team. And I'm so glad that we managed to like make change or lasting change, you know? So Yeah, it's so nice that you had each other for support as well. I think that's that must be really important when you're yeah. working in activism. Totally. I think it's kind of you know, I'll, I'll mention for the benefit of the tape uh, for anyone who hasn't seen the images. So you were nude in the images, topless. Yes. But your nipples and, you know, like a lot of your breasts, to be fair, were covered. So like yes. it's not it. The, the point of it being, you know, you weren't as naked, I say, making air quotes, <laughs> yeah. as, you know, as a lot of images that you might otherwise see on Instagram. And yeah. I honestly, I thought one of the most like brought it home because you know I'd seen a lot of your image being shared on Instagram but then and I think it I think it was Alex posting them who was posting examples of um other images on Instagram mostly of like thin white women and some of them were her work because she does quite quite a bit of nude photography and some of them weren't but you know seeing the difference and you know being able to make a direct comparison and say these images were allowed to stay up and these images weren't. What is the difference? Come on, everyone. Let's see the very yeah. clear common denominator here. I think that was really, yeah. it's really helpful to kind of have those visual comparisons as well. Sure. So when we're talking about the policy that's changing, it was to do with, it was it was to do with pornographic content, it wasn't was it? It was pornographic content, think, yeah, yeah about... because they were trying to like compare the two, like, the difference between someone grabbing it is like a pornographic kind of image where someone holding it can be seen as artistic, but yeah, it's because they're very close together, but we can all tell the difference between a suggestive picture, an image and one that's like artistic. Absolutely. Yeah. But obviously the technology cannot, and that's the thing. So when they assess a, an image, um, they'll bank it and then they'll, there's like a gray area where they don't really know where it goes. And then you kind of get the guideline to your your page which says your page could be taken down um Mm. so it's very it's a very weird i don't know how to what am i trying what am i trying to say now it's a weird way of assessing pictures i think obviously that they use but that's how they've built their system and built instagram you know yeah i mean i feel like you've probably had quite a rare insight into the inner workings of Instagram and how these platforms actually function now because this is the thing as well like when so when your image was initially taken down on that very first day and Mm. you kind of say you know like within two minutes or whatever it was taken down do you know how that happened as in does it always get taken down because someone's reported an image or is there a are there certain times when it is just the sort of automatic software that does it without a human set of eyes even having seen it? I don't want to say the wrong thing because I, to see, I've got a fish memory. I don't actually remember, but I believe there are review teams. And yeah. when people get to a certain size, they will obviously keep an eye on certain <laughs> people. Yeah. So I my, my um page wasn't as big as it is now um prior Mm. to this happening so I think that it's like I said there's like a gray area where they'll see oh my gosh someone's covered their boob 
and you know flag instantly so it's mm. either it's something in their system that will automatically flag it up uh, or it or it is someone who is reporting it yeah it's quite sorry i i didn't know if you were gonna know the answer to that or not but it's, it's okay. quite like i don't know just try, just trying to figure how these things work as well because because uh, then it all, all always comes down to you know like if people are reporting images like really like who would who would have reported that and that yeah. that was what i was thinking because you know like i i'd seen that picture and it's just a really nice portrait picture like you look so calm and serene and the image <laughs> i'm thinking of like it was just a really nice picture Thank and you, you kind of think like who would have reported that so you then kind of assume you know a certain amount of it must be automated yeah and then yeah I mean, there's obviously a lot of work to do in their tech systems and also they had they told me that they have review teams and people that actually look at some of the pictures so then there there's bears the question is is there like biases with some of the people that are reviewing uh, that are in these teams and that are reviewing the images mm. you know we all yeah. have biases and we should all be aware of that but when you come into a job where you are reviewing people's images are you mm-hmm. doing that solely based on your um you know view on this person or how this person looks or whether you find them attractive do you know what I mean yeah that's true and I guess that also is one of the reasons why you know when we're talking about the policy change that you got implemented mm. like the very specific wording of these things is then very important because if it's being passed to someone who's who you know is sat at a computer and their job is to review an image yeah and you know say is this wrong or is this right and they've got something in black and white that sat there and says you're not allowed to hold a breast then they kind of go okay well don't know what to do no then (laughs) yeah it's kind of yeah I think the language and you know like very very specific policies in this case in like a giant like Instagram where Mm. you have to follow rules that they've set or you know their their staff reviewing images have to follow rules that they've set it is really important that they have these distinctions down in black and white Mm. and you know it's just yeah people with different size bodies and with different bodies in general are aren't gonna look exactly the same in the same positions or the same like covering themselves you know what I mean like I would look totally like I I have no underboob like there's not much for me to have to cover in the first place but like this is what we yeah. were speaking about this is a topic that that Jean actually brought up she's like if someone is bigger or they have more boob there'll be more boob to cover so it's difficult for us to you know assess or them to say oh well, well this doesn't work or this person has to come down because of that everyone's body is different yeah so it's 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 so nuanced it's such a hard conversation to have because it's like oh I don't know where do you draw the line at um you know them saying it's not racial or you know about body size when it really probably is but no one's saying that it is Mm. but we are aware that it is but it's just like this elephant in the room like I don't know where the line is you know with the discussion surrounding it or you know I don't know yeah it's it's obviously a very like nuanced conversation but this is where so you had as well as the hashtag I want to see Naomi yes you had a petition on the go at the same time right like things were being attacked from all angles oh petition see I've forgotten this is yeah this fish brain yes I did have a petition that was started for me by one of my lovely followers yes 
So, and I think it was important for you to stay. And I, I've obviously like seen a lot of the conversation that was going around at the same time. And it was stop censoring fat black women. Yes. As in like, you have to be specific about what the problem is. Yeah, to get a change and for the focus to be on what it needs to be on. Because mm-hmm. during the campaign, we had like um, other models coming in and riding off of my campaign and then pretending they didn't know what it was and there was one model in particular and she's a, a white plus size model and she kind of rode off that and was like I didn't know the campaign I didn't know that it was about I didn't see anything which is obviously false because she's spoken to a friend of mine who had kind of told her you know this is not on and they know each other um but it was it was starting to be watered down and then it started to be like all plus size bodies stop censoring all, uh, you know, fat plus size bodies rather than like black plus size bodies. Mm. And this is the thing that I was trying to, we were trying to navigate that, yes, all plus size bodies need to be seen, but black plus, black plus size bodies are respected and seen far less. So mm. once someone else comes in and jumps on the wave, and if there are a white woman or anyone mm. that isn't black or a person of colour, it's going to be diluted and then we're going to be forgotten about. And we had to literally fight all these different elements while trying to like get you know Instagram to actually listen plus the open letter plus the petition and it was just like oh my gosh plus like everyone tagging because their pictures have been coming down plus the support and then the people that weren't supportive like it was a lot it was an intense like three months yeah I bet it must I mean that was kind of the first thing that you said right so I asked you a question about you know becoming an activist and you were like oh that's (laughs) a really scary thing to think like what yeah. How how has that been for you? And like, how do you feel about now being sort of put into that role of activist? Is it a role that you want? Is it a role that you want to keep having? Or um, I feel like others would say that I was probably an activist from before, just because I'm very outspoken about things, and I have been, mm. but I've never taken on anything in an actual corporation. So, but for myself personally, I think this is the start of something that. I could love because I like to speak up about things and and get changes and you know being friends with Gina has like helped to push that into something that I want to do more of and that you know she made upskirting um you know illegal and then for her to now help me pro bono take on my case and then get it done like that's shown me that it can be done so I feel like I would still love to be it's scary as, as, as you know, it's very scary. Um, but yeah, something that I could definitely, you know, you can't just stop activism. I don't think, especially when you're passionate or as passionate about a topic as, or subject as I am all my lived experiences, you know? Yeah. I think it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? That's probably, it's kind of the label is more scary than the work itself. If you know what I mean? Like, I know that you, um, have, described yourself as an advocate for other things you know like on your social media account so uh like a mental health advocate for example do you find that Mm, do you find that kind of being in that space and being an advocate or being an activist do you think that it creates a lot more pressure on you to do things or do you think it kind of gives you a certain freedom to kind of just really throw yourself into that role and like be as outspoken as you want to um I don't think it 
pressures me per se because I don't do anything if it doesn't feel authentic and if it doesn't feel right and if I've not lived that experience where I can Mm -hmm. try and help someone else so I'll only speak on something if you know I have can help someone or through my experiences can try and help someone else so I don't feel pressure pressured at all that's good that is good especially surrounding mental health because you know being that mental health is so important to me because I've got a lot of things mental not a lot of things but like suffered from depression in the past and I have Mm -hmm. anxiety as well quite badly so I don't mind talking about it because it's taboo subject so if I can help anyone that's like my main goal that's really nice do you think being a model Mm. it all kind of came together in a way that worked quite well for the campaign because I mean I remember thinking when I was seeing all this going on Mm. thinking that it must be such an intense situation for you to have basically this whole conversation going on about your body (laughs) like I just thought I was like oh my god I don't know how I would deal with that but do you think being a model in the first place and having a kind of quite image focused Mm. job in the first place do you think that made you kind of more able to take people talking about your body so much or was that still a bit of like a weird experience for you no I'm used to it there's always scrutiny there's always people that say things people have been like saying things from when I was a child I had um, an eating disorder I had anorexia when I was growing up so people were talking about my body from when I was at school right through uni college uni and up until now so it really didn't bother me Mm. um obviously certain things people say can affect me if it's like quite severe, um, with their, their severe with their opinion, but I think me being a model, like you said, equipped me to kind of deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, not that people should have opinions on anyone's body ever, but you know, <laughs> as humans, people like to say things for some weird reason and just voice their opinion about how they feel, even when it's unwarranted. So, you know, yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because I feel like there's so much of the conversation now is about kind of you know like just stop being so obsessed with each other's bodies but then when it comes to an issue like this and there are certain bodies that are being censored you obviously then have to take quite a close look at that and it's all it's all just a big big confusing (laughs) like confusing thing at times yes so I've seen you use the term body like body love and body acceptance sure which I think I think I got from your Twitter bio. Um, (laughs) But I've seen you use that term rather than body positivity, for example, which I still feel like is like the main one that in the wider media people will talk about as like the go-to. I always find it really interesting, like the different language and things that people use. Is there a reason why you would maybe gravitate towards like body acceptance rather than body positivity? Yeah. Oh, this is a big one. Okay, so... That's okay, we like big ones. (laughs) So do I. Okay, so body positivity, um, the fat liberation and body positivity was started to centre like minority bodies, not just black bodies, but minority bodies that, you know, aren't accepted um, within like media and in the world. So it's been watered down. Like if you were to look up body positivity, the hashtag, all you would see is a body, uh, a page of, you know, slim white women who are sitting down trying to create roles. And that is now not what body positivity was um Mm -hmm. and not everyone's like I'm body positive and it's like okay yeah you can be that's amazing but you're missing the point that 
the bodies that this movement started was started for um, mm-hmm. literally have been like alienated. So I do not use that term because it it's not for me now. Um, it's sad that I have to exclude myself from that movement that was set initially mm. to help minority bodies like myself, but there's no place for me now. And when it is spoken about, and if I have like made posts on it before, I literally would get like hurled abuse. Why, who are you to tell me that I can't be body positive? You're being discrimin- um, discriminating against, against my body, all sorts of things from, you know, people who have never been on the side of someone commenting on them or telling them that they're going to die pre- um, prematurely or that they're disgusting and their mothers would be so disappointed in them for looking how they look. Like they've never been on that side of it. Mm-hmm. So to kind of put yourself in the centre of something that has nothing to do with you, I cannot be a part of that anymore, which is why I will kind of push for, you know, body love and self-acceptance because body love is the most important thing. It doesn't matter about what anyone else says about your body. It only matters what you think, you know? Mm. Yeah, it's true. I think one, there's a series that I've seen on Instagram. So let me think, who was it? So I follow someone on Instagram called Danielle. Mm-hmm. I can't think of her last name off the top of my head, which is annoying. Her Instagram handle there is Danielle is anxious which I always remember because I'm like, yeah, babe. <laughs> um, but she does she does a series which I think is called something like Recreating Images of Thin Bodies. Mm-hmm. And she, so like you were saying about, you know, people sort of contorting themselves to like create roles where there aren't necessarily any. <laughs> yeah. She like takes those images and recreates them herself to kind of show and make the point that thin women can get a lot of praise for these images like you say which aren't necessarily what the point of body positivity was for at all yeah but her point is often and she like I'm referencing this just because these are things that I've seen that have made me go okay that's really helped me understand what the problem is with this so basically she says that you know people in fat bodies can't just put on a pair of high-waisted leggings and then be like and do a particular pose and then not be discriminated against yeah that can't happen so it's like it's a weird one because I understand in a way and the thing is I'm sure that a lot of people will find those images helpful or validating or comforting you know because we've all got insecurities no matter what you know no matter what our body is like I feel like that's a pretty universal human experience yes but it is not everybody who has insecurities about their body is also systematically discriminated against because of their body yeah or you know they've not had issues with someone bases their whole entire worth on the way they look you know so Mm -hmm. or how where their body looks should I say so it's, it's not the same. And that's what's the most frustrating thing about the body positivity movement. So I think a lot of um, fat bodies in general now mm. don't associate with, you know, body positivity, especially, uh, you know, uh, black women um, and, you know, women of colour and people of colour. So mm. how do you feel about Instagram and social media like in general after this experience and kind of the work that you've done to change it from the inside do you think there's still 
beneficial tools in kind of increasing representation, even if you have to fight to get there? I've always found social media to be a double-edged sword. So it's very helpful in the sense you connect with people, you can connect with people that you can become friends with and you can mm-hmm. learn things that you never, you know, um, knew before. Um, and there's a lot of learning on there, but there's also very, it's very toxic as well. Um, and me having to fight so much, that whole thing has made it difficult to kind of, like, for instance, my blue tick, I got my blue tick because I was mouthing off so much. And I was like, you're not going to take my picture down. And I felt like they were like, okay, here's your blue tick, nice. Can you just like stop talking now? And I was just like, <laughs> absolutely not. I'm going to see you keep talking. Yeah. So I felt like it was like, I've done this and it's great. But it's like, there's still so much to do. So it's like, is this all happening for a purpose or is it in vain? So it kind of makes me skeptical about social media as a whole. I don't know. I'm on the fence. Mm. I'm on the fence with it. I love it and I don't. <laughs> I mean, I think that's understandable. And it's also, I kind of feel like whatever you end up talking about with social media, it does end up being that thing of, you know, like, it's good because of this, but it's also bad because of this. And it's just, I wonder yeah. where we're going to eventually get to with it. Like, is it going to be a thing that we just accept mm. some of its limitations? Not all, I mean, there are obviously things that are not acceptable at all and need to be changed but is it sure. do you think we'll ever get to a point where we're just like well that's the way it is these bits are a bit rubbish about it or do you think it's still you know worth pushing do you think there's some kind of future social media utopia in which we actually aren't <laughs> widely <laughs> by, by these platforms or like i don't know what made me laugh so much um i don't think there's a utopia but i think there can be a semblance of like not, not everyone being happy because not everyone will be happy. I just think that there's always going to be work to do with regards to social media because social media changes so much. Yeah. And there's like all these platforms and stuff. Okay, granted, there's not been any like new, newer platforms than Instagram. And mm. I've seen people like, when is like a new Instagram going to come out so we can leave this app and stuff? But there's always work to be done. So there will never be like yeah. a social media utopia, I don't think, unfortunately. And plus, I'd love that. Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, that's, that was quite a, quite a <laughs> technology, like, I don't know, existential question, I guess. But I think, like, after after this campaign and the policy change that you got, mm-hmm. have you seen an effect, like, through conversations you've had? Like, what effect do you think it might have had on women already? Like, do you think, do you think that winning battles like this will help people be more confident and kind of make them feel more accepted on a platform and more able to accept themselves i i think so um i've had quite a few people say that you know they their pictures came down still after the policy you know was implemented but then they had a chance to challenge it and then the picture was put back up and i'd say like since the end of december i used to get a lot of people tagging me like Mm. oh my god my picture's still coming down naomi like it's coming down still it's coming down gina it's coming down alex um i've not got many tags at all in the new year so I'm hoping mm. that that's because images aren't still being taken down and if they are then you know they can challenge it and they've been put back up so that would mean the policy is working I mean that's amazing because that's a direct result of the work that you've done that must be so like yeah so satisfying cool. <laughs> yeah it's very cool am I right in thinking as well though just in case there's anyone listening if people are still having images taken down you're collecting data about that, right? You're still working with Instagram on that. How would they yeah. report that to you? 
Um, Gina has done a type form. It's in my bio and it's in Gina's bio too. Um, and basically it's just a collection of data, especially it's specifically for black, um, plus size women, mm-hmm. uh, black fat plus size women, I should say, sorry to the listeners. So basically you pop all your details in, um, and she's made it so you can put all the, the picture that got taken down, mm-hmm. uh, the time it got taken down, and then you can like write a bit about it and then we collect it all and we feedback, um, I mean, we all we've tr- what we're trying to do now is um, get the most like frequently asked questions and then present it to Instagram and ask them, you know, what are you doing about this? Just so we can have more transparency with the policy and the guidelines so people can understand that, you know, we've not just been like, oh, we've done it and we're not doing any more work because yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I think I think that's really good to see as well that it's like an ongoing, like working relationship now as well. And there's still still room there where you're you know still doing this work and still yeah still pushing on things yeah like you say rather than it just being a win and it's done Mm. because there's always work to be done every week i'll be asking my guests some of your questions and the first one comes in from fiona who says i've been wondering for a while now whether the term plus size model offends the defined models because it suggests that their body type isn't normal We're at a point where we want to accept everyone and make society realise that a size zero model isn't the norm and there's nothing wrong with having different body sizes. So doesn't the term plus size model work against that whole idea? Oh, ho, ho. Good question, Fiona. Um, I don't think that plus size model, the term doesn't bother me. I can see where it would, could possibly, you know, be, it could show a disparity between you know standard models and plus size models I think that term is probably used more so for like clients and stuff because that's how they'd you know look and like source out or cast a model you know Mm. so I think on that end that's probably why I call myself a model or a plus size model so the term isn't offending um to me but again each model is different so I think that term has been coined because some of the first plus size models were just that and that's who we are we are plus sized and we are models so I think the term is quite apt I'd say personally Mm. but I can see where it could the lines could be a bit you know blurred there yeah do you think that's kind of an an industry thing then obviously you knowing from inside more than I would Mm. for example so like do you think as um as brands hopefully um and, you know, advertisers in general, all that kind mm. of thing. Do you think as people start to cast more diverse body shapes as standard, then you might see a kind of shift away from having to categorise models in that way? Yeah, I believe so. Um, when actual representation is that, and it's not just like um, tokenistic, I think that that's when the shift will come. Because I do think it's more so for like industry folk to um, source models and stuff, you know? Mm. But we are all models, so that is a true a true term. So I think that hopefully, once things actually change and representation is more than just a tokenistic gesture, then it will change. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that was just an extra question from me that I threw in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the fine. <laughs> um, okay. Next question is from Molly, who says, I want to ask if there's anything we as the general public content consumers audience can do to change the idea of only incredibly tall, thin women being used as high fashion models. Is there anything we can do to show that we want to see all types of bodies as models in high fashion? 
yes, I'd say change, like change the pages that you follow and the things that you consume and share them. Like if you see like a, a fat model or fat model that has, you know, done something amazing and has worked with like a big brand, um, share that piece and then, you know, make it known that this is amazing. Like this is, you know, fat women can do high fashion. Just be very vocal about it, I'd say. And just, I think it's subconscious. So if you're like, what you in, what we intake every day, we literally become. So whether we, we're aware of it or not, the things that we consume on social media will literally play into our day-to-day life. So if you switch that up and focus on looking at a different array of people that are in the industry that are doing amazing things that don't look like, you know, the standard tall, slim, white model, mm-hmm. then, you know, you may be able to educate someone else and say, oh my God, have you seen this person? She's done this or he's done that or they've done this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the way to do it, to just change who you follow, what you consume, and then kind of talk about it and like boost them. Yeah, I feel like as well, like you say, kind of celebrating when things do happen. So even from, you know, kind of doing work in social media and stuff like that, the way that brands and kind of agencies and stuff tend to operate is all like on numbers and feedback that they get from social media, right? So being kind of vocally supportive and like liking pictures of plus size models being used in shoots and like commenting supportive things underneath like those are the things that brands will see and look at and say okay we're getting some really good feedback here so we want to do this more because that's what they want at the end of the day yeah they'll boost it more if they see that there's a wider audience loving you know what this person is putting out yeah exactly I mean there are obviously there are some brands that will use you know lots of different bodies because that's the ethos of their brand and that's not why they're doing it but there are you know when it's brands that haven't typically used very diverse models and then they're kind of test the waters Mm. and try it out like giving those brands (laughs) positive feedback is definitely the way to go I think I agree we've kind of touched on this before but this next question is from Jess and she emailed in and said Quite often when I see a curvy girl post a photo about body confidence or anything along those lines, I notice there are a lot of comments about how skinny shaming is just as detrimental as fat shaming. The argument that a lot of people have with this is that the majority of the time being skinny is celebrated and the people that fit into that category are seen as the beauty standard of today. So basically those people have nothing to complain about. Mm. My question is, what are your thoughts on people who have this mindset? Do you think that fitting into the skinny category has the same challenges as being in the curvy category? Oh my gosh. I can't speak on that because I'm not a slim person, but I will say that everybody has um, their own um, struggles, but being slim is never looked at as an issue ever. So it's not the same. They are not the same. I understand the struggle. I will say that so that everyone has their struggle. I don't understand the struggle, but I understand that, you know, people in a different body type um, might have their own internal struggle, Mm -hmm. but externally, um, from a worldwide viewpoint, in no way is it the same at all. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, I don't want to say like skinny shaming isn't a thing, because it is a thing. It is a thing. I just don't think it's the same thing. And that's, that's the point here. So like, Yes, people can be discriminated against when they have a thin body, but it's it's not the same kind of like they're not excluded from situations or discriminated out of like 
on a systematic basis. Or the comments made about an individual in a bigger body, they won't receive the same abuse. They won't receive the same, you know, commentary as someone who is because to most people being fat is the worst thing you can be in the whole world. So the the abuse and the things that will come out of people is in no way the same thing. But I, again, I'm not disputing the fact that slim people, you know, have their struggles. I just obviously wouldn't know them. Yeah, I think it's, I th- yeah, I mean, I think this is what we were talking about before, isn't it? Like nobody in any of this is saying that, you know, being thin automatically means that you have no troubles in life. It's just that don't assume that you have the same troubles as someone who as is somebody not, who yeah. else yeah mm-hmm. exactly agreed um last question is from caitlin who says is there anything you tell yourself on hard days to keep a positive mindset on body image uh yeah i just remind myself of how far i've come within like loving myself because the space that i used to be in i i'm so proud of myself so i literally will look at myself in the mirror and be like nah i'm proud of you that I will just say my affirmations and I will say, you've come so far. Um, You're incredible. Your body's done so much for you. Um, And the growth as a human, you know, Mm. Um, I just remind myself that, you know, I'm, I've done so well and I'm going to continue to do well. So just positive affirmations. It sounds very hippie when I say that, but affirmations work. So I say a lot of them. (laughs) I mean, if that works for you, you know, that's your real advice. I mean, if I can ask kind of, if you think back to closer to like the start of your journey of like acceptance, if you like, mm. were there any things that you found really helpful in kind of getting to that place and getting into a positive mindset to begin with? Um, I spoke about it a lot with, I had loads of conversations with my friends, my friendship group, because I'm quite close with them. And these are all people outside of like the industry. And that really helped me because they've been with me. I've had my friends since I was like 12 and 13, but Mm -hmm. they've seen the growth and they've seen how me as a person and where I've come from. So I'd say that really, just having those discussions surrounding it. Yeah, so kind of like lean on the people around you and don't like bottle bottle things up, I guess. Bottle it up, yeah, talk about it. Like however I was feeling, if I was feeling like, uh, you know, bad about my my body, not like being self-deprecating, like, vocalizing it and communicating how I was feeling I think that's so important um therapy as well I do therapy so that helps helped therapy for everyone yeah you get some therapy you get some therapy (laughs) (laughs) if only right (laughs) literally remember if you want to get in touch with us or have any questions for future episodes email me at goodinfluencepod at gmail.com Before you go, I've got three things I ask of every guest and that's if listeners want to learn more about this issue and your policy change. Can you give us something to read, something to listen to and something to watch, please? Ooh, to listen to. Yes, I did a podcast with the Polyest Design and Monkey and basically that was me talking about like plus size, my plus size body journey um, and basically prior to the policy change coming out, the lead up to it so there's quite a bit of um great discussions in that that's in my bio um on my um instagram which is at curvy naomi okay perfect so if people want a bit more more in-depth on like how this all happened that would be a great one um and then something to 
read please yeah sure um there was a detailed interview that gina alex and i did with uh, vice magazine um that is also <laughs> on under my bio it's quite detailed so we go into everything and the policy um in a bit more detail if you want to read it rather than listen to it okay perfect and then yeah on that point i think our last recommendation is something to read if you've got anywhere to point people to to read the official policy change you can read because i've got oh, it well. that's also the guidelines the updated guidelines of the policy they're all there so they're all in my bio also Thank you for joining me for this episode of Good Influence. If you've enjoyed the episode, please take a minute to subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you're using. And if you're feeling generous, you can rate and review as well. Your reviews make a big difference and help other people find the podcast. See you next week.